Welcome to Write Now with Scrivener, where writers talk about how they work, how they develop their ideas, and how they use Scrivener, the app built for long-form writing projects. I'm your host, Kirk McElhern, author of Take Control of Scrivener. Today's guest is Peter Robinson, author of the best-selling Alan Banks series of crime novels. Peter has written 27 novels in this series featuring a police officer in Yorkshire where Peter was born and raised. Peter, thank you for joining me. Hi, welcome. Good to be here. Peter Robinson writes the DCI Banks mystery series. At least it used to be DCI Banks, but Banks got a promotion a couple of books ago, didn't he? Uh, it started out as Inspector Banks, and then it was that's DCI right, Banks. That's right. That's yeah. what they did on the TV series. Now he's Superintendent Banks, but that's too big to write on the cover. <laughs> yes. So so the books now say an Alan Banks novel. Yeah. It, yeah. Instead of they used to say DCI Banks for a long time. You've written 27 Banks novels, and let me see if I'm correct, two other non-series novels and two collections of short stories. That's an awful lot. Yeah, three non-series. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, that, that, when, when I look back, it's it's amazing, really. The first one came out in 87, and I probably wrote it in, you know, 83, 84. Obviously, it takes a, there's a time lag before you get published, and I had... I think two of the books finished by the time my first one was published. So, you know, it was great to have books in hand like that. I could afford to be a bit slow and lazy. I was working and teaching at the time as well, too. Uh, but now I'm always playing catch-up. You know? ah. I, I used up that start, and, and now I'm catching up all the time. So you're not slow and lazy anymore? Um, can't be, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you put out a book a year. What's what's the time frame for this? How long do you take to write? How long is the editing? What's the process? Yeah, um, it probably takes me, you know, I maybe spend a month thinking about it. I don't do a plan. I'm not an outliner, which we'll get to later, you know, when we talk. Yeah, that was definitely a question I was going to ask. But I do make, you know, I, I do make a lot of notes of possible scenes. I usually... You know, I begin in my mind with an opening, a very visual opening scene. I rarely, if ever, know where the ending's going to be or how I'm going to get there. And as soon as I feel, you know, the pressure to, I really want to sit and write this opening scene, then I sit down and I start. And that probably takes a good portion of the time, maybe nine months, uh, including revisions. And again, we can talk about that when we talk about how I, I use the writing program. Um Editing doesn't take very long. I mean, you know, it, it goes to my primary editor, and she fortunately communicates with the U.S. and Canadian editors. Right. So it's important to point out that your books are released in the U.K., the U.S., and Canada, sometimes at the same time, but not always. Yeah. Um, they're pretty close this time. The U.S. and the U.K. came out at the same time. The Canadian one comes out in May. But they all get the manuscript at the same time. So what we try to do is coordinate the editorial response. There was a time, I mean, I I asked for this, you know, that the, there was a time when I used to get three different responses at different times. It used to drive me crazy, you know, I'd, I'd get it back from one editor and I'd make changes and think, right, we're off. And then another editor would come back with something. Yeah. So they all do it in one. Um, and it generally, it doesn't take very long. I, I don't know if it's because... You know, I've been doing it so long that, 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 that they don't need as much editing as before, or if the editors just feel, well, he's done all right so far, we'll leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to know which, but 
but anyway, it's, it's it's not a very long process. So so I'll I'll get the manuscript back now. Of course, it's it's uh, it's got track changes and all that different colours and everything. It's, it, you really need a big screen for it. And I spend it, it never really takes me more than a week or two to go through the whole thing, make the changes or reject the changes. I mean, it's always choice in the end. Uh, and then, of course, copy editing and proofreading come after that. Your latest book is Not Dark Yet, and this is the title of a song, isn't it? It's a Bob Dylan song, yeah. Um, yeah. You've used song titles for a lot of your novels. Yeah, I, I like to do it. And, and it, it seems to me I, I like to get a title fairly early on, something that kind of acts as a gravitating point for for how I feel about the book. Not Dark Yet seemed seem to work given the subject matter. Although a number of people have pointed out it's actually pretty dark. It is. It is. I read it and it's darker than I would expect. And, and particularly when you get to the point in the book when one of the characters says, it's not dark yet, I was shaking my head, no. <laughs> so this is the first time you've written a trilogy. This is the third book in a trilogy. Every other one, while it's a continuous character, and they're all standalone. Here you have three novels that are all linked together. Yeah, um, it, it, it came out that way because of the, the character Zelda, who's a major part. Really, the thing that links the three books together is her story. Um, I, I, I found it very strange writing a trilogy because when I came out with the first one, I was quite excited and tell my publishers, oh, it's the first of a trilogy. They were not exactly over the moon, you know, and... Uh, I finally realized I'm just not a great marketing guy like they are, but they want to sell each book totally on its own. They don't want it to be in any way connected. You don't have to have read this one to enjoy that one, you know. So the idea of a trilogy coming out over like three years did not appeal to publishers. Trilogies are common in science fiction and fantasy, and perhaps it's that type of, yeah. of writing that works better with a trilogy, but when you have a character that you've been writing about for more than 20 years, then it's true that you want people to be able to sort of slip into the backlist at any time. Yeah, it's, it's also the genre as well, I think, in, in, in that uh, people expect a crime novel to be beginning, middle, end, and, and have everything sewn up at, at the end. So they assume that if it's part of an ongoing series, that's not going to happen. And in fact, you know, the different installments using the same character as the bank series have been, you, you could say it's whatever you would call a collection of 27 books. You know, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, uh, 27 elegy or whatever. I can't think <laughs> of what it is. Um, hepto, septo. Yeah, something like uh, that. No, I was just going to say, I think, I think with sci-fi and fantasy, well, you know, publishers realize that readers get hooked on trilogies and, and quadrilogies and quintilogies, you know, and, and they like that and, and, and that it does each story doesn't necessarily have its own plot line that ends at the end of one book. So what I tried to do with this was, was give them that. Each book is con contained, you know, a story that, that, that's complete within itself. But yet there's this other thread of, of Zelda's story that if you read them together, you, you get a slightly different experience. So I tried to sort of do both worlds there. One thing that's unique about your books is your use of music. Alan Banks is a music fan, and you mentioned throughout the books what he's listening to at different times. And there's 20 or 30 musical references. You make playlists that you put on your website. Why is it so important for you to mention actual music in the books? 
Is it because you're a music fan or is it because you just think that that's part of Alan Banks's character? It's both. To be honest, it's a self-indulgence, really. Um, you know, I, I do it because I like doing it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's much better, I think, to, to, to name the music that's being listened and just say, oh, he put a record on. Uh, at least I would find that more frustrating. But it's also part of the character. I mean, when, when I first started with Banks, I wanted to play him against the stereotype of, of, of the sort of miserable divorced detective, you know, with a cat living in alone in a room who drinks too much. I mean, he's become that now, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's come back, honestly. He started out a happily married man with children and, you know, and, and of course these lone detectives, they always love jazz. Yes. I wanted Banks to like music partly for the self-indulgence of it, but I, I wanted to give him a wide range of musical appreciation that does so, it reflects my own in a way. Um, so it, it's a bit of both, really. It's his character and my own indulgence. So you're from Yorkshire, yet you live in Canada. Pre-COVID, you used to go back to the UK regularly. How do you keep the local colour alive? Is it just that you've been doing it so long, you grew up there, you go back every year? Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up there. I, I spent pretty much my first 30 years there. And ever since then, I've been going back on a regular basis. And for the past 15 years, I've had a house, you know, in, in, in North Yorkshire. So I spent longer periods there, which is why it's so difficult, you know, with, with the COVID thing, just not to be able to get there at all. I, you know, I can picture my house. And, and to be honest, it's not somewhere I would ever consider renting or, you know, it's not that kind of a place. It's a home. And it's got its own books, you know, like obviously lots of library shelves and a number of mementos. When my father died, all his sort of stuff I got is there in a pile to be sorted. Uh, you know, wardrobe full of clothes and, and pictures on the walls. And, you know, I can sit here. It's been, I was last there in November 2019. And just can't get there. And, and, you know, I picture it sometimes and picture it just all crumbling to dust. <laughs> I'm, away. And it's I'm sure it's not that bad. No, I mean, we do have someone who goes in, you know, every week and, and gives it a brush up and make sure everything, the water's not getting in and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I don't really need to worry about it that much. But, yeah, I, I do think about it often. So you say you've got a lot of bookshelves, and we're talking on Skype, and I can see the bookshelves behind you. Do you read other authors when you're working on a novel? Does that dis distract you or maybe influence you? It doesn't. I mean, I mean, I don't know if it ever did. I, I used to, th you know, worry about all these things. Like people would say, "Oh, I don't read other crime writers while I'm reading for fear of being influenced," or "I don't read Dostoevsky while I'm reading and I write." <laughs> Case. If I were influenced by Dostoevsky, I would be quite happy. Uh, yeah. Uh, if I, you know, a little bit brushed off on me. But, but so I don't worry about it anymore. It's the same with all the advice like, oh, I get up at six in the morning and write for two hours, then go for a run. I thought, I can't get up at six in the morning. I can't be a writer. <laughs> that was exactly going to be my next question. What is your writing routine? Because so many writers do have routines like that. So I guess you've just answered that you just don't have a routine. I don't anymore. I, I, you know, I used to do. And it, it's like a lot of advice you get when you're younger. You're craving advice from other writers who've been successful. And, oh, write about what you know. 
Well, it didn't take me very long to find out I don't actually know very much, so I'd be far better off writing about things I could imagine. <laughs> also, when you're writing crime fiction, I'd really not want to know that the author knows a lot about committing murder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's true that if the author's a former police officer or a journalist, then, okay, that could be something they know, but otherwise... Yeah, I mean, I think if that's the case, it's up front. Your readers are looking for a certain degree of authenticity, the inside story, you know. So yeah, but I'm, I've never been a cop. I've never been, no, I've never been a criminal either. Well, it depends <laughs> how you define it. You know. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> I've never been convicted of anything. That's what you got to say. You don't have a record, okay? Do you have a favorite place to write? Now, since you used to go between the UK and Canada, I guess your favorite place to write is the only place you have right now, since you can't go out any place. Yeah, I mean, it's here, actually, just this desk where I am right now in the basement. Um, we, we do have a, a cottage on a lake up north where we were, we were going to spend the entire lockdown period, but for various other reasons, we haven't been able to do that. And and that's really my favourite place to write. It, it overlooks a lake and the woods beyond, and the houses are very far apart it's, and separated by trees. And it's a very sort of rural, isolated place. Um, but I, you know, I'm quite happy down here in the basement. It's, it's, it's a good place to work. You say in the basement, but I can see that it's not just a basement. It looks like quite an attractive basement. It was a basement. It was just filled with junk and spiders, and I didn't like to go down at all. But several years ago, it was my wife's idea. She said, you know, we should get the basement fixed up. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't want to go. All my books are down there. There are boxes of things I haven't opened for years. You know, I'd have to sort it all out. <laughs> Total upheaval in my life. But, you know, as, as, as happens, she got her way and uh, spent <laughs> several weeks down here sorting everything out, chucking a lot of stuff, and then had the people in, and they sort of dug down and ripped everything out. You know, it took forever. It bang, bang, bang all the time. The guys were from Afghanistan, and they were playing Afghan pop music all the time, <laughs> smoking. Did, did, did that rub off into one of the novels? Has Banks been listening to Afghani you know, pop music? I, I, I think that maybe if he has renovations, he will do that. <laughs> but, but they did a beautiful job and they turned, you know, just a crappy storage basement into a really nice kind of den, I guess. You know, we got yeah. a, a big screen and nice stereo speakers and pretty much bookcases on three out of four walls. So it's, it's a great place now. So, Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you use Scrivener. Okay. Writing a book, screenplay, or even a long article is a juggling act. You need to find the right words and the right structure, keep track of research, and refer to notes. Tailor-made for long writing projects, Scrivener is the go-to app for writers of all types. Scrivener combines a typewriter, binder, and corkboard in a single app. A project outline makes it easy to get an overview of your work and flip between sections. Refer to research alongside your writing and just drag and drop to rearrange your work. Write in any order in sections as large or small as you like and let Scrivener stitch it all together when you're ready to share your words with the world. With Scrivener, you'll find everything you need to start writing and keep writing. Scrivener is available for Mac, Windows, iPad, and iPhone. Download the free trial from ScrivenerApp.com. Right now with Scrivener listeners can get a 20% discount with the coupon code PODCAST. That's ScrivenerApp.com. 
Okay, so how do you use Scrivener to write your novels? Well, I, you know, it, it took me a little while to to work into this new system of doing it because, like most people, I used to use Word, um, which was fine. I mean, I'd, I'd just sort of type away and pretend it was like a visual a typewriter without having to redo everything. Now, I started out on a typewriter and I had to retype things. It, it takes a long time. So it was great to have this ability to do that. But then I heard about Scribner and uh, I thought, well, it's designed for writers. You know, it should be worth a try. And I took to it really quite easily. I mean, it's I, I, I may not use all the features. I certainly never used all the features of Word and never needed most of them. But I do find that, that with Scribner, most of the features it has are ones that are of interest to me and, and that I do, you know, use quite regularly. And, you know, we can get into that in more detail if you, if, if you want to know that. Yeah, so do you break up your novels into chapters or do you break up chapters into scenes? Do you just, you said that you're a, what we call a pantser, yeah. you don't, plan or an outline, do you just write a whole chapter from beginning to end, or do you build this in little bits and put them together? Well, again, I, I think my way of working has changed over the years, and, and but I, I, on the whole, I still start at the beginning and write through to the end. I work in chapters, but each chapter is divided into a number of scenes, anything from maybe four, three, three or four to six scenes, um, and, and they vary in length. So obviously, you know, Scribner works wonderfully for that with, with the chapter heading and then the scenes within the chapters, the drag and drop, um, and some drag and move them around. So, yeah. Do you move scenes around often? Yeah. Yeah, I do, actually. Um, and sometimes I'll move them out of the story if I think maybe they don't work, but keep them in the notes or, or one of the other sections and drag them back if I think later on I might need them. Right, because instead of deleting it from a long document, at least you've got everything you've written there, and if you do decide, you can just put it back easily. Yeah, and you know that's I also use the snapshot thing quite a lot. Every time I go back, I go to revise a scene in any way, I'll take a snapshot of it. So I end up sometimes with, with three or four different versions of it, but they're right there, you know. Right. So for listeners who don't know, the snapshots allow you to compare different versions at different times. And you could make a snapshot every day if you want, and you can go through them and you can see the changes that you've made, either what you've added to the end of a section, or if you've been doing some revisions and edits, all of the smaller changes that you've made. Yeah. Uh, it's a very useful, you know, for me anyway. For, for anybody, it, it may be less useful if you're working in very long chapters or really long scenes. But, you know, for the shorter scenes within the chapters, it, it works just fine. Do you use Scrivener to store research at all? Yeah. I know some of your novels recently have been set in, other, at least partly, in other countries. Yeah. Um, be, because I do travel um, quite a bit, or used to travel quite a bit, and, and hope to do again, uh, then, I, I, you know, I couldn't always rely on, on an internet connection and being online. So one of the facilities I, I use quite a lot with the research is, is saving web pages. So I can, you know, find quite a lot of information about things I'm writing about, especially contemporary stuff and historical stuff on, on, on the web. And I can save the actual page, you know, to, to my research um, 
area on 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 Scrivener. Sometimes I find that you know if it's very heavy with pictures and ads and whatever as some internet sites are, I'll I'll run it through Word first and sort of save it as a Word document and get rid of a lot of the chaff and just just put it in there as a document. Do you keep a separate document for your playlist as you're writing? Um, that again is something that changes in in different drafts. I, I cut things. I think there's maybe too much in the more recent one. I didn't I didn't cut enough, but there, there may have been more in, in an original draft. So, you know, I cut things out of it, and I sometimes lose track. I mean, you know, some days I'm writing and the music's there, and I'm not thinking enough to sort of make a separate note. Or I, I should actually have a little file playlist file and just add things as I do them. In fact, I will do from now on. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I've got too much. <laughs> so do you use Scrivener just on a Mac, or do you also use an iPad, an iPhone? What what sort of devices do you use? Well, I use it on, on the MacBook. And, and, and the one, you know, I've got the 15-inch, I think. It's, it's the one I'm using now at my desk, and it's probably my favorite to write on. Uh, but I've also got one of those old gold Mac Airs, one, one of the first ones, quite really skinny and small. And that's the one I take everywhere with me. So, you know, I switch between the two depending on how much I'm traveling. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I do use the iPad. I, I mostly read it, use that for sort of reading magazines and things, you know, subscriptions and email. and, and But... When I go from here to my MacBook Air or my desktop in the UK, it's exactly where I left it here. And, you know, it just comes up and there it is. So you say you don't outline. You know you can switch Scrivener into outline mode, and that'll give you an overview of your book while you're writing, even if you have an outline. Do you ever do that? Do you find that useful? I probably do um, in, in terms of I don't outline before I write something. But what I find useful is writing a little outline for each scene after I've done it. So down the side, I, you know, at the top, I will do a little synopsis of the scene. And in the notes below there, any ideas I might have for changes or further revisions, I'll put in there. So I know then I can sometimes go to, I, I can have the little cards in the... Uh, the corkboard. Yeah, in, in the writing area. And that, that gives me a sort of overview. And also another way of switching things around if I want. Exactly. In both of those views, the corkboard and the outline mode, you can move things around the same as you can in the binder on the left. Yeah. The only difference is I do my outline after I've written the scene rather than, <laughs> rather than in advance. And is this just as a reminder for, for you later to remember what happened in a certain scene? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it gives me a synopsis of the novel as it goes along, tells me what I've done. And also, looking at it, I can see what I might need to do. So I can make an additional note down the side there saying, you know, don't forget to, to mention this suspect or whatever. Because if you're taking nine months to write a novel, six months in, it's hard to remember what you wrote six months ago, isn't it? Oh, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a really good way of remembering. Do you ever go back and reread from the beginning during this process? Say when you're halfway through, do you reread everything? No, um, I usually leave that until the editing stage, you know, but... Um, by the time I, I get to edit, copy edit, proofreading, I, I've had enough of it, to be honest. I really hate <laughs> that thing. And I just can't wait to get on to the next one and, and leave that one behind. So so the hardest part really is the copy editing. Which, uh, sorry, is the proofreading, which, which is the last time I actually read it. But there I do read it from start to finish. Uh, I 
failed to do that once with disastrous results. So <laughs> I make sure I always do now, even though I'm a terrible, you know, proofreader. And I assume other people read it and are better than I am at catching things. But and proofreading is really hard. It's very hard to spot mistakes when you're when you've written it and you're seeing these words and you're just going through it looking for mistakes. It's easy. Them always looks like then, doesn't it? Yeah, you really need fresh eyes, you know, to, to do yeah. a job of that. Yeah. What I find is when I proofread something, I put it in a different font from what I've written it in. Right. And that way it looks like it's a different type of story. Ah, sneaky. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, well, let's close with a question. What interesting books have you been reading lately that you'd recommend to others? Well, I, I, I just finished a, a really good crime novel by a, a British writer called M.K. Craven. Uh, has a, I think it's about the fourth in the series. And he has these two detectives, Washington Poe and Tilly Bradshaw. And um, I've read all the others. It's a series that I like a lot, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a little over the top. It's quite violent. It's... it's uh, it's quite playful, but but it's a really good read. I also, and and you know, in a different way, I, I recently read uh, Ishiguro's new novel, Clara and the Sun, which, which I loved very much, as as I love all his stuff. And it, it's a very, you know, even though it's about an artificial friend, it still brought a tear to the eye at the end. Okay, Peter Robinson, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. If you like the podcast, please follow it in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Scrivener, go to ScrivenerApp.com. Join us next month for another conversation on Right Now with Scrivener. <laughs>